Check out episode 32 with Simon Eagle. He tells us the what, why, and how of demand-driven supply chain transformation. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put sexy into supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. Hello to all our Two Babes listeners. We are really excited for our show today. We're talking all about startups, what that means, and how to navigate the supply chain. Katie from Girl Gotch is here to give us all the info. Closeted hippie, wistful wrangler of chickens, and professed fancy pants, Katie lives in Calgary with her family where she obsesses over urban farming and clean living. Living. With a propensity for collecting cool stuff, Katie is on point with her eye for fashion and like a ninja when it comes to spotting the latest trends. From trend spotter to trend setter, Katie has made a mark with her line of splashy, funky, darling, and really, really comfortable girls' underwear line. The brains behind Girl Gotch, Katie is a superhero of sorts. She brings comfort and solace to tushies across the land. Underwear that is soft, awesomely stylish, stylish, and yes, they stay put. As a parent, entrepreneur, and general badass, Katie believes in a girl's right to run, jump, kick, and cartwheel into a wedgie-free zone. Plus, a girl can only wear princess underwear for so long before she gets fed up. So welcome to the show, Katie. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Entrepreneur is such an important topic because you either don't know that much about supply chain going into it, or if you do, it tends to be a whole other animal. So let's get started. Why don't you tell us about your startup, when you started, and how you came up with the idea? So my company is Girl Got, and I actually took over the company back in 2012, so it's not actually my brainchild to get um, little girls comfy underwear Um, but I took it over and um, and relaunched the line at that time and I've just gone through another relaunch now so the whole premise on Girl Gotch is that um, girls underwear is made differently than boys underwear boys is made for comfort and for function and girls underwear is made similar to women's underwear it has lace and it's thin and it's just not comfortable so in the beginning it was really easy we just made um, girls underwear based on boys traditional boxers and briefs and it solved the wedgie problem so this last um, relaunch that we did we have expanded to a organic line um, and kind of went back to basics and I looked at every single detail um, in this little pair of underwear just to figure out how to, how do I make them the best? How do I make them the softest? And my background and my passion is really clean living. And so I care about what I put on my kids' skin. And I really, you know, I want to know what's in the clothes. I want to know who makes my clothes and where they come from and all of those little details. So it kind of, it fits and the brand has grown um, and yeah, we're just, we're in this huge growth, um, but I still feel like a startup. So it's good. It's exciting. 
So Katie, could you tell us what went through your mind when you started to think about sourcing uh, the materials? So I always knew, you know, I was always 99% sure that I would have to produce overseas. I try every few years. I kind of check out, check out the, even anywhere, made in Canada. I'll, I'll start talking to people in Quebec, some manufacturers in Quebec, and I just... I just can never get the price to where I want to be. So it just affirms that I need to be producing overseas. So it's a whole, I mean, it's completely overwhelming to start from scratch and to to look at manufacturing. Um, I was lucky enough this last time to get a great referral. Um, when I first started the business, I used project managers that were over in in China. So I thought there was a real disconnect between... Um, just what I was learning and all of those little details, I felt like I, you know, I wasn't involved in all of the decisions. So this time around, I dealt with the factory myself and it came through a referral, actually someone just up in Edmonton that had used them for a, a kid's line. And I've been, yeah, I've been nothing but blown away by, by the relationship, by the workers, by the communication with them so you know it's been great and such a huge learning curve for me although I've owned the, owned the business for almost four years um, it does it feels like I'm in startup phase and I I can ask all those questions now and really understand them because I've I think because I've been through it and I've made the mistakes and now I really know know where I'm going so that's really interesting because you said that you started with a project manager. So I guess that's kind of like an agent overseas that deals with you yeah. and then also deals with yeah. the factory. But you found that it was a lot um, easier to deal with the factory directly. I guess I guess you were lucky in being able to get that sort of contact, right? Because not everybody has that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I've talked to, oh gosh, I would say maybe a hundred factories over the years and you get, get some, you get samples and sorry, my kids are home and that's okay. I'm going to try and get rid of her. (laughs) You You can't do that. You can be the guy, like the guy on CNN, just like push them out of the way. My six-year-old's supposed to be watching the two-year-olds, but the trouble the trouble Sorry. is we just can't see you put shoving them out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Apparently the, the, the lock doesn't work. That's okay. This is what entrepreneurship's all about. So, <laughs> so, so, is, right? so you were saying that you've talked to over, did you say a hundred or 150 factories? I would say, yeah, probably a hundred factories and they, you know, I've gotten different, um, you know, they'll send you samples and it really, um, it's hard. Like relationship is huge to me. I I want to be involved. I want to you know know who makes my clothes. And this um, because I got a good referral. I guess that made it really easy. That was you know when I'm trying to decide between two just on price, this one makes sense because I had that. Um, I was sure that that I would have a good relationship with them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the fact that it came from somebody that has a similar, I guess, type product, not really, but like in the same sort of genre. Yeah, yeah, because um, they don't always want to tell you, right, who their customers are. And working with these, and now that I know some of the bigger brands that this factory is using, I'm, you know, I'm feeling very grateful that I found them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because dealing with agents isn't easy. Did you make the trip over there? Have you have you gone overseas to take I a look at? No, no. So okay. I plan on going this fall. Mm-hmm. But really, when when we were producing, um, I guess back in January, you know, they skyped me through the whole process, like, and you know, took pictures along the way, and I really felt like I was there. So, although I do, I absolutely want to want to go there and see it firsthand. I think, you know, being here and they made it as transparent as possible, it really just gives you that, you know, that, okay, this is okay. Yeah, and I guess um, that's a really important thing to really note for our listeners. You know, when you're looking for a factory to work with, it's okay to ask for those things. Like the right partner and the right factory or manufacturer is going to do those things for you and make you feel comfortable and make you feel like you don't necessarily need to go there um, because you have you have absolute confidence in what they're doing. Yeah, it's so true. And I think the first time I was scared to ask those questions, right? And I, I remember asking the project managers, like, are children making my underwear? And that's extreme, right? But I was like, I have to ask this question. I need to know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was, right, they weren't making me feel comfortable, obviously, to the beginning, from the beginning. So it's, it's a shame that I have to ask that question. But I was new, and I'm like, I just need to know. Can I ask this question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes back to all of those ethical sourcing questions that are now coming up for you know, all sorts of brands, whether you're small, whether you're big. I mean, everybody's thinking about those things. Now, when you asked that question, did they, did you get any negative feedback or, or did they accept it just because they know what goes on in the world? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, so my project managers, they were Canadians over there who lived overseas. Um, but I'm sure I would have asked the, right, their Chinese counterpart or whoever was working for them. But yeah, it was just a, I just got a, like a, a no. It, it was, um, yeah, it was definitely, I felt weird about asking it and kind of got a, a weird feeling. Yeah, but you probably felt better after you got the right answer, so. Yes, yeah. Awesome. Okay, so let's let's move on in the supply chain. We've talked a little bit about sourcing. We've talked a little bit about manufacturing. Um I mean, what roadblocks did you encounter up to this point? I mean, we've talked a little bit about that in the sourcing and the manufacturing. So I guess the next step is sort of the logistics and transportation. Um, are there any other roadblocks or, or things that you needed to do in order to get to that point or, or really understand the transportation side? So roadblocks. Oh, um, I, for sure, using project managers and not knowing my cost. Right, so I just paid an end cost, not understanding all of the different costs that get it from the factory to me was a huge um, learning curve again this time. Yeah. And it's my, it's for sure my personality to want to know and to understand and to really have a sense of like all of the details along the road. So. I, I mean, I, I was grateful right, to have that conversation with you and to really understand some of the questions that I needed to ask. And it just made me, made me feel more, more comfortable. And I've had sort of numerous 
conversations prior to shipping this last um, this last order that everybody sort of gives you a different um, just a different view on what you should be asking for and which is the right way to go, whether it's FOB or expert, like all of those acronyms that I still won't even begin to say that I understand. But, you know, everyone has their own perspective on it. And I think I needed to have all of those conversations to really understand it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just for our listeners, part of that conversation was, you know, do you, because obviously your factory or your manufacturer may say to you, you know, we can ship it to you, you know, so it comes in shipping prepaid. But what a lot of people don't realize is when you ship prepaid, there's really high handling costs at this end, because you don't have a relationship with a with a local customs broker. Um, You know, that's something really important to note, um, because at the end of the day, prepaid sounds so much easier, but it's really, really costly. Um, The other thing to note is that if you are going to use FOB, make sure that your FOB charges aren't included in the price of the product, because then you're paying duties and taxes on freight. And you don't need to be doing that either. Unless you have a good broker that could oversee the paperwork and knows what's going on and he could <laughs> subtract that amount from the actual if invoice. Know. If you know. Right? You might not know the amount. That is true. And, and Katie, don't even let those acronyms bother you because I am a customs broker and I always got to look up the INCO terms. Yeah. I, I know the basic yeah. ones, but there is so many out there that I, I still like, I, I come across and it's like, Oh, well, and, and knowing, knowing the specifics, right? Like exactly. Where does the responsibility change? And, and who takes hand and who takes ownership when they take ownership? When all that does the stuff. risk get exchanged? Exactly. That kind of stuff, yeah. right? So, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Everybody does have a different viewpoint. They've got a lot of different things to add. So you have to have different conversations with different people to make sure that you're comfortable in, in, in what you want to be doing and what's best for your business. So, yeah, yeah, and to really to understand where the hidden stuff is, right? Until I had sort of three quotes in front of me, all completely different, you know, I could really then see, you know, and I want to understand, like, how do you charge and how do you make money and, and where where's the padding built in? Because I know, like, there's got to be padding built in, so where is it? And that's... Um, Right. And, and how can I do things differently to to cut my own costs? Because it's right. You really need to understand them. And if you're going to be in control of them and for something like underwear, which is so small and, you know, there's not. Right. I, I need to be aware of where my margin is and where, especially with the U.S. dollar. Right. You just need to to understand it all. Yeah. And I also. To, yeah, it's a great first time go around too. I learned so much. Yeah, and I think there's a couple other things to mention. As a startup, there's there's things that you don't really think about, right? There, One of them is uh, freight insurance. Freight insurance, you know, is another added line to your freight bill. But at the end of the day, if your shipment is damaged, it means the whole world because you're able to recoup some of those costs back and you don't have to put it towards the cost of the product because you have to order more. Um, the other thing to consider as well is nobody really talks about customs exams. Whether you ship into Canada or the U.S., 
there are going to be customs exams. It might not be your first shipment. It might not be your second shipment, but it could be your third. 99% of the time, it would be your first shipment, but <laughs> well, 99% that, of that's time. another issue. But you have to account for those delays. You've got to account for those customs exam fees. I mean, if you've got a whole container, it could be in the thousands. If, yeah. you ha if you're only a part of a container, you've shipped LCL, and the whole container gets held not because of your goods, but because of somebody else's, you need to account for that. And you can't control that. I mean, there's no way to control what Customs is looking for, what's in that container with your, with your goods. Yeah. And um, yeah, you... when I learned that this time for sure, it was, um, you know, I loved the being kept up to date basically daily on where the shipment was. I think that's, it was awesome. And then all of a sudden, right at that port, it should be unloaded tomorrow. It's not unloaded. Still not unloaded. It's still not unloaded. And um, I happened to be in the office, and they said, "Oh, if there are, just made some comment about there are fees um, associated with um, customs clearance." And I went, "What? <laughs> and how much could they be?" And they didn't know how big my shipment was, so she was overstating. But and then it just, you know, delayed and delayed, and I'm freaking out that I'm getting examined, and oh my god, what is this going to do? And what have I done wrong? And it just turns out to be delayed, but it was where you have to, and I kept thinking, oh, they're going to unload it and it's going to be here tomorrow and everything's on my schedule, which was actually ahead of schedule. And then it all, all just sort of got pushed back to my normal schedule. But yeah, the delays, you, you, you don't know that it could sit on the ship for a week or ship sit in customs or, so it's, um, Another part of the roller coaster, right, is trying to plan a launch and you're so excited and everyone's excited and then you have to explain that, well, I don't know, it's in Vancouver somewhere. But, so it's such a, it's an exciting time. And I think that's, that's the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur too. So Katie, how did you find your logistics provider? You do not have to mention any names in this question, but. Well, through referrals, for sure. Um, you know, like relationships are so important to me. I want to know who, who I'm dealing with. So I had gotten um, just help from the economic development people here that um, have a transportation department. So they gave me a few names and I found a name on LinkedIn, somebody who I somewhat knew. So it was, um, I just, I want to deal with people that I like dealing with and who are excited about my business. So that was, um, yeah, so I got I got three quotes and just ended up going with the one that was the best quote and I thought would be the easiest to deal with. Awesome, awesome. So, um, I mean, you told us a little bit about what that experience was like. Can you, can you, was that your first overseas shipment? It's not, but the other one, my first one, it just, it literally showed up on my doorstep. So I wasn't involved in any part of it. So this, yeah, this was the first one where I was involved the entire way. And I was the one getting the quotes and um, trying to understand, you know, should it be, should I go air freight? Should I ship it all to Canada? Should I ship some to Canada and some to the U.S.? And how, how does this look for timing and how does this look for uh, cost and how 
right, how do the logistics get charged and what are all the other costs? So it was for sure my first time like going through all of those details. So in comparison to that first one, you know, how did, what did you like better? How did it, how was it different? What did you learn from, from each of the, those ex- experiences? Well, I just, I liked knowing exactly where it is, right? There, and what the timing is and trying to plan. And um, I do, I just, and most people probably are okay with just somebody else dealing with it and it showing up on your doorstep. People think that might be the best way to go, but I really wanted to to understand it, especially because I was using a new manufacturer and uh, this was my my first doing it, my first time doing it all all the way along kind of by myself. So I I really wanted to know those details. Well and I think it, it makes you more it keeps you more in control, right? It keeps you more in control of your own destiny. I mean, at the end of the day there's gonna be things that pop up that you can't control, but for the most part you can control most of the shipment and it just makes you feel like, you know, you've got everything um sort of I guess on your own schedule. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it is it's for sure a control. And just knowing where it is and who's, yeah, who's in charge and whose responsibility and it's, yeah, it's all those little details. And I think as I'm about to grow, it was, it was, it's so nice to do this first small order that, you know, I didn't really have a deadline for and I could be really specific and I could go through the quotes and I could, you know, I had that, that brain power time to actually look at all of this because once it gets going, I just need to know that I'm dealing with the right people and people that I trust and people who know my business. And, and so that when I don't have time to look after all of the details and to be watching where my shipment is, but I trust them because in the end it's, it's really about trust, right? That, that these people are going to get you your stuff. Well, and let you know where it is along the way too. I think that's a big, that's a big part of it when it comes in. It was really huge for me. Yeah, when I it really comes yeah. when it comes in prepaid, you really don't know where it is because you don't have that relationship established with the carrier or whoever is moving it. Yeah. How are you handling last mile deliveries and return? So I usually my last shipment was split um, some in Canada, some in the U.S. So I do have a U.S. fulfillment center. Um, that I use, but this time, kind of last minute, I decided to bring it all into Canada. So I'm, and really, because it was my first time with the manufacturer, I wanted to see everything and um, just make sure everything was okay. I sound a little bit like a little control freak, but it's, yeah, so all of our orders are going out um, just from here, from Canada, from Calgary, and um, we don't deal with a lot of returns because it's underwear. So unless um, we've screwed up sending the wrong size. We don't we don't take them back. So it's nice to the returns has never been an issue with us. Right. Okay. So did you wood, I guess, right? did you end up like I know you said that you're you've moved it you moved the shipment to Canada, but did you end up sending um, some stock into your U.S. facility to be able to supply your U.S. orders? No, so I'll move some down. Depending how the next month goes, mm-hmm. I will, I'll just ship it down from here, from Calgary to all the way to Chicago, I guess. Okay, and that's where your facility is? Yes, yeah. 
Okay, awesome. And they handle all of the uh, fulfillment, the pick and pack for all of your U.S. orders. That's right. Yeah. And in Canada, do you do that all of your like? Do you do that yourself right now, or do you also have a three PL in Canada as well? No, we're doing it ourselves. Yeah. You are okay. Yeah. So we mostly use. Well, we use a combination of of everyone across Canada. Can, lots of Canada Post. Uh, lots of Canfar, just whoever is giving us the cheapest rates at the time. Yeah, which one do you find the best, just out of curiosity? None of them. Okay. Of them. Thank <laughs> you. Shipping is so expensive. Um, you know, it's usually Canada Post for small orders. Yeah. Um, and you get the tracking. I mean, you get the tracking with anyone. Canpar in kind of Western Canada. Mm-hmm. If... Um, for any of my stores, any of my wholesale orders, which are a bigger box, for sure, Canpar works. Mm-hmm. Um, I do lots just in the city, too. So I have a, just a local guy who who does lots of the Calgary area, which cuts costs, which is cheaper than Canada Post, for sure. But, yeah, it's always, a, you know, when you get so busy and you stop looking at your rates and trying to negotiate your rates and... Um, but it's so important because, you know, it's a dollar here, a dollar there, but it, it for sure adds up. Yeah. And do you charge for shipping? I do. Yeah. We have a flat rate. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'm always, I don't know what the best, best way. People yeah. like free shipping, of course. And um, so lots of times people will try and just hit that, that $100 for free shipping. Yeah, I've increased that this um, with this launch. It used to be fifty, and I've upped it to a hundred, and it seems to be okay. Some people are still kind of reaching for that, but yeah, it's it's hard. Um, you know, my flat rate mostly covers the shipping. You know, I'm depending on you know it it covers it in in Alberta, but doesn't cover it when I ship to Toronto. So, right, yeah, and it's so interesting. Because I think brands are really struggling with it, whether you're, you know, small, medium, large. I think all brands are kind of struggling with it because the bar has been set so high with the free shipping. Um, but it's in, in most cases, it's just not feasible unless there's, you know, a good amount of product being purchased. Yeah. Yeah, especially in Canada. It just isn't. So you mentioned earlier when Nick and I were talking to you before uh, we started the episode, you said that you're in an accelerator program. So what do you see for startups in the next five to 10 years? What are the challenges, do you think? Um, so Calgary, I think, or Alberta, I guess, is startup community, I think, is very unique because of our oil and gas struggles, and um, everybody is really behind entrepreneurs and startups. Um, so ATB is our, it's our provincial bank, Alberta Treasury Bank, and their whole mandate is sort of to support entrepreneurs. And so I have been lucky enough to, to be involved with some of their programs, and one of them being this accelerator where they, they've taken kind of 20 businesses, mostly startups a few of us are in full operational mode and they just give you all of this support mentors expert series all of this stuff so it's really it's really great and beyond the bank lots of the 
everyone's just really trying to boost up this small business community and we have so many great products and service companies like everyone is really behind shop local and and all of that that stuff we've got some amazing markets that pop up and they're they're sold out the vendor vendors sell out in hours so it's a really unique um, place to be right now to really feel supported I hope when our economy sort of recovers that that doesn't go away that people still keep supporting all of these small businesses um, some of my challenges for sure is what's happening in the US um, what that what happens to trade between China and the US that's a little unnerving um, the exchange rate for me is a huge challenge you know, I think does that mean I switch my site over to US dollars do I do I keep it in Canada and have you know it's just a risk it's a um, yeah it's, it's hard to manage manage that when you're growing um, yeah, I, I hope the kind of support local movement, even though I produce overseas, I think there's more companies like my own who are producing overseas but are still being a local business and a Canadian business. And I hope that whole support, even across the country, continues, especially in the, in the baby and kids market. There's lots of little brands popping up and everyone wants sort of the new and unique and to know to know the owner and to know the designers and to know that it's a mom-owned business, that it's not some faceless company. So I think those are all really good things for the startup community. Yeah, I um, think I think that, yeah. uh, like we've seen, especially in Canada, the boost in the mompreneur space as well. There's a mm -hmm. lot of great brands. There's a lot of great people. There's, there's a lot of um, support. Um, and it's a growing, growing community. So that's really, really nice to see. And I, I hope to see that grow um, in the future as well. So what is next? Last but not least, before we wrap up the conversation, this has been great. So we appreciate you coming on the show, Katie. But what's next for Girl Gotch? Well, we have a busy few months. We are expanding all our our sales channel so we are looking for distribution i'm getting back into all of the little boutiques across the country our focus over the next year for sure is the u.s market again um i feel like we have a little well we've got lots of room room to grow so that's going to be my focus um adding a few new lines right now we are girl gotch we just make girls underwear and we need to add the boys line um so that's going to be a big one and um i've got a few more uh, products that I'd like to add in the next few years, but yeah, it's, it's an exciting, it's, it's so exciting. I, um, I feel like all of the pieces are sort of finally in order and I've, um, I was always doing this as a part-time business up until last year. So for the last year I've been doing it full time and it's, of course, it's a no brainer that that makes such a huge, huge difference when you're all in and you, live and breathe your company so I'm really excited for for the next few months and uh, yeah it's it's endless with um it's a fun industry to be in and yeah I really I really enjoy it it's an exciting time awesome well thanks again for being on the show I mean everybody's got to note that 
you know, entrepreneur entrepreneurship is definitely growing, um, not only here in Canada, but in the U.S. And as Katie pointed out, you know, learn and grow, learn and grow, learn and grow. And I think that's really the message that uh, we got out in this episode today is that uh, there's so many different things to learn, but it's a really exciting space to be in. It is, yeah. All right. Well, well thanks. I, lo- I love it. Thank you so much for having me. It was exciting to talk to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show. Perfect. Have a good day. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep your orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist, and they specialize in e-commerce, retail, and drop ship distribution. They will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. Get your free assessment. Visit them at icecorplogistics.com. Check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting for you. Entrepreneurship is growing. So many people bringing cool and innovative ideas and products to the market. Check out Kate and her product on girlgotch.com. Next week, we are talking to Tyler of Inkbox about supply chain and crowdfunding. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play so you never miss another episode. This episode was produced by Mike Mazurk. We are your hosts, Nick and Sarah. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, folks, ship happens.